You are listening to a sermon from the First Baptist Church of Ewing, a Christ-centered church in Lewis County. We have been in a sermon series uh, walking through Jesus's Sermon on the Mount, uh, just looking at Jesus's teachings, uh, seeing this kingdom that he came to establish and seeing what life in his kingdom is going to be like. Um, And we are getting to the end of the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, We're going to look at it today, and then we should be concluding it next week, and then we will move into a season of Advent and Christmas. Uh, But today, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 through 14. Um, And as you turn there, let me pray for our time and then read our passage uh, for today. (sighs) Father, as we read about at the very beginning of this service. There are just a lot of paths in our world, uh, but most of those will lead to our own demise. There, There is only one road, Father, that will lead to a life spent uh, in eternity with you. We're going to study that with this passage this morning, Father. But I just pray that as we do, that you would just go ahead and open our eyes to see the the truth of that today. There is any among us that are walking down the, the wrong road, that road that will only lead to destruction. I pray that they would just see their need to reverse course and to put their faith in Christ today. Uh, For those who are walking this narrow road already, you know, following in the footsteps of of Jesus, Father, I pray that you would just use this passage uh, to help them as well, to help give them the strength that they need for their journey. Just ask all of that in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, Hear from the word of the Lord this morning, uh, Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 through 14. Jesus says, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, it will be opened. Or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many, for the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. This is God's word. Uh, So I'm sure that many, if not most of you, living here in northeast Missouri, you've probably uh, been down to the Mark Twain Cave in Hannibal. Um, I kind of got burnt out on it uh, when I was a kid. Uh, Pretty much every year, my elementary school would take a field trip there. Uh, And I had cousins that lived out on the East Coast in Virginia. And anytime they'd be on vacation back in Missouri, we would always end up at the cave as well. Uh, And here's the thing about going to a cave. 
um, is it never really changes from week to week. You know, every time you go, it, it's the same rock formations. Uh, the stalactites are just where you left them. Uh, they just where they were. Um, but when I was in college, uh, I actually had kind of a fun opportunity. Um, I had a roommate who was actually a tour guide at the cave. Um, and apparently, once a year, the owners uh, would invite all of the workers and one of their friends uh, to go exploring in parts of the cave that you don't get to see on the tour. Uh, everybody gets a flashlight, and you get two hours just to go see whatever parts of the cave that you want. Uh, so I was invited to join them, and I quickly realized why some parts of the cave uh, are not part of the regular tour, because uh, they can be pretty difficult to access. And my friend wanted us to go on a search for what was the supposed to be the oldest known signature in the cave, dated back to like the early 18th, early uh, 1800s, I believe. Uh, and it was supposed to be at the end of this really, really long stretch of cave, uh, and a lot of which you were actually going to have to kind of crawl down on your hands and knees to, to get through that part of the cave. Um, and there was another friend who was with us, uh, and this friend was on the larger side, uh, and about halfway through, he realized that he wasn't going to be able to make it. Uh, he wasn't going to be able to squeeze through some of these passages that we needed to get through uh, to get to where we were going. Uh, and so we actually had to leave him behind. Uh, and it kind of felt like, in that moment, it felt like a scene that you might see at the beginning of a horror movie. Uh, I mean... We, we, we wanted to go forward. We wanted to go see this signature. Uh, he, he couldn't make it. So uh, my friend just gave him a flashlight and said, you know, good luck. Like, we'll, we'll, we'll be back. Uh, and we just kind of left him there, otherwise just alone in this, this pitch back black cave. Um, but we, we made it down to the end of the stretch. We saw the signature. We did go back, I promise. He's not still there in the cave. Uh, we, we did make it back. We, we found him, and then we uh, made it back up to, to be with the rest of the group. Uh, but it was then that I really began to appreciate all of the work that the cave owners have done for those tours that you take. I mean, they have added a lot of lighting to the main route so you can see where you're going. Uh, those floors of the cave have been smoothed out so it is easier to walk on. There is handrails wherever you need them. Um, and they've chosen kind of the widest parts of the cave to include on the route to make it easier for a large uh, tour group to go through. And I tell you that story because whenever I get to this part of Jesus's sermon where he contrasts that narrow path that leads to life, versus that wide road that leads to destruction. Um, I always remember that time exploring the cave, remembering that the Christian life is sometimes a lot like getting down on your hands and knees and kind of worming your way through some difficult and narrow passages. And sometimes you're not always sure if you're going to be able to squeeze through or, or make it through. Whereas the, the wide road... 
um, sometimes feels like walking through an airport. Um, I don't know when the last time you flew anywhere was, but anymore, they've got those moving sidewalks everywhere. So you don't even have to walk to the terminal that you are flying out of. You can kind of just stand there on those moving sidewalks and just let the sidewalks do all of the work for you. Uh, and then once you do get to the terminal, anymore, they almost always have those uh, massage chairs that you can pay for, and they'll massage your calf muscles, uh, even though... You didn't actually do all of that much walking to get to the terminal, uh, but you can, you can still sit down and uh, sit down in those massage chairs. That's what the, the wide and easy way that Jesus is speaking about is like. So today, uh, we're going to talk about this narrow trail that is the Christian life versus that wide road that is the way of the world and this really is one of those passages that we would all do well to take to heart, uh, to think more deeply about, because uh, it's a somber reminder that Satan really is the, the king of comfort and hospitality. Verse 13 of the text says that the way is easy. It's easy that leads to destruction. Um, I know a lot of people, when they think of Satan, they think that he just loves to make life difficult for us, but this passage shows us that sometimes the opposite can actually be true. Sometimes Satan actually loves to make life easy for us. However he can make you feel more comfortable, he's going to do it. You know, he's going to install those moving sidewalks for you, or he's going to give you those nice, comfy massage chairs, whatever he can do to make your life easier and more comfortable so that you're more likely to choose that life that is easy, yet that also leads to destruction. So this passage, um, it also reminds me of that classic uh, Robert Frost poem. I'm sure many of you probably, you know, could quote some of that poem by heart, uh, but you might remember that line where he says, uh, two roads diverged in a wood, and I took the one less traveled by, and that has made all the difference. You know, we're going to see more clearly as we walk through uh, this passage in these verses, uh, as we look, you know, between the, the narrow way and that wide road, we're going to see that one is clearly less traveled than the other. But trotting after Jesus on that less traveled road really will make all the difference in the world. In fact, it'll make the difference between life and death. So what I want to do this morning, we're actually going to start in those last two verses, because I think they're so key to understanding this text. Verses 13 and 14, we're going to talk about those two paths that have been set before us, um, and then in light of that, then we'll go back and we'll look at the other verses and see what life on the narrow road is like. So let me just go ahead and reread these last two verses for you. Starting in verse 13, Jesus says, Enter by the narrow gate, for wide and or, or for the for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction, and those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. 
So essentially, Jesus is saying that there are two ways that you can live. And right off the bat, many people misunderstand what he means by that. All right, they read that and they think that they mean that there's this path over here that the good are walking down. And then over here, there's this path for kind of the, the evil misfits of the world. This path is for the Gandhis. This path is for the Hitlers. Uh, but that's not what Jesus is actually saying. These paths aren't actually one of good versus evil as much as they are of Jesus's way versus our own or, or a path of grace versus a path of our own works. Because if Jesus was saying that only the good can get on that narrow road that, leaves, that leads to life, well, that road would be completely empty. All right? Nobody would be on it because in our heart, we are all evil. Instead, what he's saying is that for the vast majority of the world, uh, with every religion that's not Christianity, the basic underlying principle is that that path uh, towards God is a path based on deeds and good works. You know, the more good deeds you do, the closer down that road uh, you're going to get to God. But there's a lot of problems with that way of thinking and with those who prefer pursuing that broad road. I, I know a lot of those that are on the, that wide path, they think that Christians are too narrow-minded. They feel like our narrow path has made our minds narrow as well. You know, I mean, who are we to believe that those who have tried really hard and that those who uh, do a lot of good things for this world and who uh, give it their all and do their best, who are we to believe that God is still going to send them to hell for all eternity, uh, just because they didn't choose Jesus. And so those on the narrow road are seen as closed-minded, as judgmental, maybe even as bigoted. Uh, but, but the irony is that it's actually those on the narrow way who understand that we were all made in God's image. And that actually encourages us to love everyone equally, even those we don't agree with. Loving others is the second greatest command in Christianity, only second to loving God. And so it's actually the narrow way that is the path that leads to abundant human flourishing and love. While those on the broad path those who pride themselves in always being open-minded about everything, uh, they're often actually the ones with the narrow and closed minds, especially when it comes to the Christian faith. It's what many people call the intolerance of tolerance. Those who claim to be very open-minded and progressive and tolerant of everyone, it's often those who are actually the most intolerant of those who have a different worldview from them, like Christians. So those are the two paths in life. Now, Jesus is saying that, that you have to choose 
one of these. Yeah, you can hop on that broad highway of this world, um, and you can drive down that road that everybody else seems to be going down, um, or you can take that narrow, windy, rocky road that is the path to Jesus that few seem to be willing to choose. Those are your options. And if you're here this morning and you haven't made up your mind which you are going to choose, let me just take a moment to plead with you, just letting you know that not deciding is actually a decision. All right, until you choose the path of Christ, by default, you are already on that path to destruction. I know a lot of pastors like to wait uh, till the very end of their sermon to tell people to submit their lives to Christ. Uh, but I, I think that we should just take an opportunity to, to do that right now. I, I want you to be thinking about the direction that your life is headed right now because you're not actually going to be able to do some of the other things that I'm getting ready to talk about uh, until you first receive Jesus into your life. Um, and especially if you are younger, I know that when you're young, uh, the path ahead of you, it seems really long. Uh, it seems like you've got, you know, the whole, your whole life ahead of you, you've got all the time in the world uh, to, to wait and make decisions another day. Uh, but let me just plead with you, just beg you for a moment not to wait until you get down the road a ways to figure out what you believe about Jesus. I mean, just stop and ask your parents after service if you need to. Um, if your parents came to faith when they were older, I guarantee that they will tell you that they wish that they had have become a Christian earlier in life. Because even though Jesus says that the narrow road is hard, in many ways, it's still a lot less rough than the alternative. There are a lot of decisions that adults wish that they had not made, and they wish they could go back and tell their younger selves to become Christians earlier in life and to choose that narrow road rather than making some of those destructive decisions that they made while living on the broad path. So if you're not a follower of Christ, uh, please understand what Jesus is trying to say to you in this passage. He's saying that he is that narrow gate that leads to heaven. Jesus is God. And, and as God, he, he took on human flesh and he came to this earth in the form of a baby. Uh, he lived the life that you should have lived. He died the death that you should have died uh, because of your sin but because of his death, he now offers you the opportunity to have everlasting, eternal, spiritual life. It's like Paul uh, wrote about in Romans where he said, if you just confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then you can be saved. So that's what I want to say to Anybody who might be here with us this morning who is not already on that narrow road, but to those who have given their lives to Christ and who are pilgrims on that narrow way, if you go back to verses 7 through 12, 
we're going to see how life on that narrow road is to be lived. Jesus wants you to know in all you ask and in how you act, you are to show the world that you are a follower of Jesus, not a disciple of the world. That's really the main idea of the rest of these verses. In all you ask and in how you act, you are to show the world that you are followers of Jesus, not disciples of the world. So let's start back in verses 7 and 8 to see what uh, Jesus says about asking. It's here that he outlines for us the ideal uh, prayer life of a Christian. He says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everybody who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks, it will be opened. So first, you have to keep in mind that this is just a general principle that Jesus is giving. Uh, Nobody should take him so literally to think that he is going to give you everything that you ask for. You just ask for anything, then you're going to receive it. Don't don't take him that literally. Uh, Prayer is not like room service on a cruise ship, uh, where if you want cookies at 3 o'clock in the morning, all you have to do is ask and they'll just be delivered to your door. Uh, I use that as an example because that's actually uh, what happened when Ashley and I went on our cruise for our honeymoon, uh, is they told us that... You know, if you want room service, all you got to do, call them two o'clock, three o'clock in the morning, just make one phone call and they'll deliver cookies or whatever, whatever you want to your door, uh, whether it's day or night. Life following Jesus isn't like being on a cruise ship. It's a lot more like being on a battleship, meaning Jesus is not your bellhop to give you room service. He's your quartermaster giving you your rations and the supplies you need to win the war. Look, starting there in verse 9, this is where Jesus says, uh, Which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children... How much more will your Father, who is in heaven, give good things to those who ask him? So so God isn't just going to give you whatever you ask for or whatever you want. uh, But like any good father, he is going to give you what you need. Uh, My kids ask me for a slice of bread pretty much every single day. And I can promise you, not once... After they've asked me for a slice of bread, not once did I go outside, pick up a rock, and go back in and said, here you go. Enjoy. Don't, don't break your teeth on it. Uh, or if somebody, you know, if one of my kids wanted fish sticks for dinner, you know, I'm not going to say, oh, here you go. Here's a snake instead. You know, watch out. He, he bites. Be careful. No, I'm not going to do that, obviously. And if those of us who are sinners are going to provide for and take care of our kids, well, then how much more so should we trust that God is capable of doing the same? 
So following Jesus's footsteps on the narrow road uh, means being quick to ask and to pray to the Father whenever you are in need. Um, and, And if you have been doing that, if you have been praying to him and yet you still feel like he's not responding, well, let me suggest to you that that might actually be because that you were asking for a stone and you just didn't realize it. You didn't know it. And he doesn't want to give you a stone. He has something much better for you instead. He has bread that he wants to offer for you. So just keep asking and trusting that even if he doesn't give you what you thought that he wanted, he has something much, much better in store for you that he will provide. All right, so ask, but notice that's not all that Jesus says. Uh, He doesn't say just to ask. He also says that you should seek and you will find. Uh, I promise you that the Lord does answer prayer, but he also answers diligent obedience as well. So just as an example, if you were praying that the Lord would provide you for a job, well, let me ask you, are you also going out there and applying for jobs as well? All right, you can't pray for something and then be upset that God didn't give it to you. You know, just, you know, you asked for it and he didn't give it to you. Can't be upset about that if you're not simultaneously also seeking after it. Because asking and taking action go hand in hand. So ask and you will receive Uh, But as you ask, you should simultaneously seek so that you can find. But then there's also a last qualifier that Jesus gives uh, for your prayer life as well. He says, ask, seek. Then lastly, he says to knock. Knock and the door will be opened. All right, what does Jesus mean by that? Well, there's a couple of things. Uh, He's speaking about the intensity of, with which you should pray. And he's also speaking about the posture of humility that you should express in your prayers. All right, so first he's talking about the intensity of prayer. Notice the progression of Jesus's words. He he says, ask, then he kicks it up a notch by saying, seek, and then he intensifies it even more by saying, knock. Now, if I'm at my house in the evening and somebody, you know, sends me a text message asking me a question, uh, that would be pretty easy to ignore. I might be getting ready for bed and I might just choose to forget about that text until the next day. Uh, But if you showed up at my house, and especially if you just stood there knocking on the door, pounding on the door, maybe, well, I'm going to assume that there is something urgent that you need to talk to me about, and I am much more likely to go and answer the door. I'm not going to ignore that. And so Jesus is saying that God will know the priorities of your prayers based upon your persistence. The more you are persistently knocking at God's door, pleading with him in your prayers, the more likely he is to respond because he understands that you are prioritizing those prayers. He understands your priorities. So Jesus is talking about the intensity which you should be praying. But I also want to suggest 
And I want you to understand that he's talking about the humility in which you should be approaching Jesus in prayer as well. Because remember, uh, if you remember, you know, Jesus has been talking about in this sermon about this new kingdom that he is coming to establish. Um, and in this kingdom, Jesus is king. And now, if you were a servant of a king, how quickly would you be willing just to barge in to the throne room of that king? Any servant who just barged in, he just flew the doors open, he ran in, didn't even stop to knock, just went in unannounced, he's probably not going to be alive much longer to talk about it. That king would probably have his head on a platter pretty quick. So what Jesus is just trying to express here, he says, Knock, when he says to, to knock, he's, he's talking about the, the posture in which you should be approaching the Lord as you pray. He wants you to remember that he is the king. You are just the servant. And so every time you go to the Lord in prayer, you are approaching the king of the universe. So, so we don't get to just barge into that throne room with a whole list of our demands. Rather, you are humbly to knock. You are enter before him in prayer with a submissive heart. It's a great privilege to have a direct line of access to the king of all of creation, but never forget that he is the king. And you and I are just the creation. So in all you ask from God, uh, make sure that you are showing others that you are a pilgrim on that narrow way of Jesus. You're not a disciple of this world. All right, but lastly, I want us to look at verse 12 uh, and see that also in how you act and all that you do, you are also to show the world that you are a follower of Jesus. You are to do this in all that you ask from God and in how you act as his follower. Verse 12, Jesus says, So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. All right, that's what classically has been called the golden rule. I'm sure most of you probably you know, memorized this or, or could quote this idea uh, even since you were a little kid. Uh, and the golden rule, uh, it is and isn't unique to Jesus. All right, there are actually a lot of other teachers uh, from many other religions that have said something similar, though never quite the same. All right, they usually differ from Jesus in that they almost always phrase this statement as a negative rather than a positive. Uh, so as an example, long before Jesus ever walked the earth, uh, a core doctrine of Hinduism uh, actually taught, do not unto others that which would cause you pain if done to you. Or there were many Jewish rabbis, again, before Jesus, uh, who had a similar saying, Never do to anyone else anything that you would not want someone to do to you. All right, but essentially how you could summarize all of those teachings is to say something along the lines of just live and let live. All right, you do what you want and I'll do what I want. And as long as there's no harm, 
then we can all just get along. We'll all just do our own thing and just try not to hurt one another as we live our own lives. Uh, but there's actually inherently a, a selfishness uh, to that idea, all right? Because what, what you're really saying is, is that you want to live however you want, and you don't want any kind of judgment from others. Uh, but in giving this golden rule, Jesus is actually calling us who, who live on that narrow way, he's calling us to a much higher standard. He's calling us to live a life that is not inherently selfish, uh, but rather that is sacrificial in nature. Because when you do to others like you would want them to do to you, um, you actually don't have a guarantee that they are going to return that favor. All right, as you are to sacrificially prioritize their lives and do to them what you would want, you don't actually have a guarantee that they're, they're going to do the same in return. So you're proactively loving them and prioritizing their needs before your own. And it's a, a sacrificial way of life that Jesus is calling us to live. And it's the very essence of the Christian faith, which is why Jesus says about the golden rule that this is the law and the prophets, meaning that you could summarize pretty much all of the teachings of the Old Testament prophets, all of the law of Moses in that simple idea of just doing unto others uh, that which you'd have them do to you. But here's the thing about living out the golden rule something I just want to make very clear before we go, is you can't actually do it unless you are already a follower of Jesus walking after him on the narrow way. The golden rule is not the means by which you can make it onto the narrow road. It's the way you are to live your life after Jesus has already placed you on that path by his grace. Uh, there's a lot about the Sermon on the Mount that even non-Christians can get on board with. You know, they love a lot of the moral teachings of Jesus because they make a lot of sense to them. Uh, they lead to a much better way of life, including the golden rule. Uh, but it's only those who are already followers of Jesus who can really obey it. Uh, there's a lot of people that want to try to take God out of the golden rule. They just say, well, all we have to do is just treat each other with respect, treat each other as we would like to be treated. We don't really need to, we don't need God to be a part of that. But notice the first word in verse 12. My translation, it says, so. Um, some of your translations, it might say, therefore. All right, that's a vital clue to tell us that this verse was not meant to be isolated on its own. Rather, it comes as a result or in light of what Jesus had just been talking about in verse 11, where he says that your father who is in heaven gives good things. So it's only by reflecting and remembering that God has given us good things, particularly the gift of grace and eternal life that he has offered us through the death and burial and resurrection of Jesus, it's only in light of that that we can truly wish good on those around us. 
apart from God's Spirit dwelling inside of us, even if we say we desire good for others, we will always just be saying it out of some deep-rooted selfish motivation. So if you remove God from the golden rule, you lose the golden rule altogether. So now that we've seen what life looks like on the narrow way, uh, and if you come back next week, uh, we're actually going to continue the conversation even more as we finish up this sermon on the mount. Uh, But this morning, I hope you've seen through this passage that Christianity, it's not just a single decision that you make. Rather, it's an entire change in the direction of your life. It's a whole new way of life. And that way is narrow. It's often windy. Uh, Sometimes you might not even be sure how you're going to squeeze through the path that Jesus has laid out for your life. But I urge you, if you are a follower of Christ, to press on in that narrow way. Because it's ultimately the only way that is going to lead to eternal life. Let me pray. (sighs) Father, just thank you for this teaching that Jesus gives about the narrow road versus the wide way that leads to destruction. Father, we were all born on that path to destruction. We were all born into a nature of sin that would only lead us to spiritual demise and spiritual death. But Father, we just praise you for offering us a way out of this through the death and the burial and the resurrection of your son. Through Jesus, you have given us the opportunity to receive new life in Christ. And I pray that this is an opportunity that nobody in this room would pass up. Ask all of that in Jesus' name. Amen.